You're listening to the Table Church Sermon Podcast. We're in a series right now called World Upside Down, where we're looking at the book of Acts. 2,000 years ago, a movement began that completely changed our world. It started with a small, unremarkable group of people who had a remarkable message that Jesus is Lord of the entire world. So join us as we study the book of Acts and discover the message that turned the world upside down. And if you need anything at all, be sure to reach out to us at hello at tablechurchdsm.org, or you can check out our website, tablechurchdsm.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. Say, if you don't own a copy of God's Word for your use at home, we'd love to gift one to you. Our ushers in the back have copies of them. If you'd raise your hand right now, we'd be glad to give one to you. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. One day, Peter, John, and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Cheryl, good morning, everybody. I am not Phil. I'm so excited to be here, though. Um, I am a former teacher, and I'm a current school counselor, but I get to once a year, Phil asked if I would preach more, and I was like, no, once a year is pretty good. But he asked if I would teach, so he gets a weekend off. Um, And so if this is your first time, you have to come back because Phil's way better than I am. Um, But I'm thrilled to be here, none the least. And before I dive in, I want to ask you to consider something. We have an opportunity for you to join our volunteer team test drive for the summer, okay? Okay. And if this is your first time, it's okay. You can get more information on it. But our hospitality and our kids team, our ministry teams, are looking for team members who are willing to serve in the summer months. Now, how many of you like to go on vacation or have things planned over weekend? Like, yes, you have things planned. And so do our team members who are currently serving those teams. And so we have some gaps. You won't be required to serve every weekend. But we want to know if you're available to serve a little bit. And so... Phil said, hey, before you start your message, do you think that you could put this plug out there? And I was like, yes, yes, I can. Y'all, somebody please write summer serve so that he thinks I did my job, okay? So please, if you are thinking about it, um, 
And honestly, I was talking to a friend who goes to a, a much bigger church, and she goes, if you're not plugged in, you're, like, you won't meet anybody. And you'll notice we are not a huge church, um, but I will tell you that when you get plugged in and when you start serving, even if it's just um, a weekend here and there, you are going to get to meet the incredible humans that fill this playhouse. And so I charge you, please, somebody write summer serve or serve or like, Maybe I'll serve, or I could just serve once. Like, just write that down, and Phil will follow up with you to see where it might be a good fit for you. Okay, my family and I live in Ankeny, and we happen to live four minutes from our front door, our driveway, to the front door of Costco, okay? It's great. Um, I actually don't have a membership. My name's not on it, so my husband goes all the time. It's like, hey, we need this. He's like, I'm on it. Bye. Takes the girls, goes to Costco, and it's, it's phenomenal. I come and frequent the place every once in a while. I get to go with them, and people are like, oh, you're married? Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm there. But our kids know the greeters' names. My girls are like, hey, Don, thanks. Like, they know the sample people. <laughs> we live at Costco, essentially, okay? But the other night, we didn't have dinner plans. We're kind of lacking on meal planning this summer. So Kevin and I looked at each other and we're like, $1.50 hot dogs? Let's go, okay? You cannot beat it. And the $2 slice of pizza, like we just like cut that up. Three girls, they go wild. And it's like, that was $5, okay, for our family. But as we were sitting there the other night, it's nearing closing and we're sitting at the food court, you know, there's like the checkout lanes, there's the food court, and then right here is this guy who happens to be named Kevin, um, but he's sitting there, and his job is to sell these five-gallon jugs of water. I don't know if you've seen him there or not, but Kevin was standing there, and he's like, free water, get your water, high-quality H2O, we deliver Three free jugs with today's offer. Don't miss it. And so we're sitting there listening to him say this, I'm not kidding, probably eight times. And every person who walked by him, he'd say, would you like a refreshing glass of water for the ride home? And it was fascinating to watch Kevin's persistence. Like he just kept going through his loop over and over again. People said no, people ignored him. Like he wasn't faced. He just kept asking. But it was even more fascinating to watch all the people who walked by him, right? Everyone knew he was there because they could hear him while they were checking out. And you had to walk by him. Like there was no avoiding him. You walked by him as you exited the store. Some people gave him eye contact and smiled and kept walking. Some took a glass of water and got sucked in a little bit and kept walking. Others kept their eyes fixed on their bulked goods and they like did not look at all. While others found like the tire center like fully captivating, right? Like they were not even going to potentially make eye contact. By the time we wrapped up our dinner, our girls had at least two samples each of this delicious water. Like they were making tracks. Poor Kevin was like, okay, are these people gonna buy this? I was sold. I looked at my Kevin and I was like, hey, can we get some of that? I want to get the three free jugs before this offer expires. It's like, no, no, we can't. People were trying to ignore this guy. 
Because let's be real, it was a little weird. You're like, I just bought $400 worth of stuff. No, I'm not going to buy this, right? But they tried to pretend like they didn't see him. And some gave him some, like, hey. But people were trying to ignore him. And maybe you know the feeling when you're, like, coming to the intersection of Douglas and MLK, and you know someone's there, but you're like, oh, I just, I don't even want to look because I don't have anything to give. Like, or maybe you're on the exit of 235 and, and coming off of one of them, and you're like, oh, someone's there. I'm guessing that this is the same feeling that the people had when they walked past the lame man at the temple gate. Let's look at the text again. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. I want to set the stage for this man. Acts 4.22 later tells us that this man was over 40 years old and that he had been crippled his entire life. He was carried to the gate every single day where he could beg for money in order to survive his condition. Like surely he couldn't work, so this was his way of life, begging for money at the temple gate. I'm curious about his transportation arrangements, right? Like carrying someone is no small feat, so, like, did he have to pay his neighbors, like, a portion of the alms he received in order to get there every day? Did his friends, they loved him, they felt sorry for him, so they're like, yeah, bro, we'll take you there. Regardless, he sat at the gate called Beautiful, and this was his spot at the temple entrance. It's important to remember that, like, when we talk about the temple, there aren't, like, 15 mega temples scattered throughout Jerusalem. There's one, one sacred temple. It was a place of sacrifice, a place of prayer. Devout Jews prayed three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening, echoing these sacrifices in the ancient temple. It was also a destination location. People traveled from all over to come to Jerusalem and to worship at the, at the temple. So people were constantly coming and going. The people who were going to the temple expected to see this man because this was his spot. Just like the guy at Costco selling water. When I go there, I expect to see him. The lame man's request to Peter and John was a request that he asked everybody, every hour, every day. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. First off, this likely isn't the first time that Peter and John have passed this man on their way into the temple. But this time, Peter stopped. He saw the man. Now, most people want to ignore beggars. We've been there. And so they're careful not to make eye contact with them, let alone ask them to look at them like Peter did. Peter and John asked the man to look at them because they wanted to make a human connection. It's like they were saying, we want you to understand the significance of what's happening here. It's something that's deeply personal, not just like transactional. The lame man returned the eye contact with Peter and John, giving them his full attention. He expected something. Like, why else would you ask me to look at like you if you weren't going to give me something? You know, maybe as a beggar, he even like lifted his hand up or like held a cup because he was like, yeah, bro, give me your generosity. What are you going to give me? 
Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Peter had not a dime to his name, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit and was willing to give the man the only thing that he had, which is Jesus. Peter offered the lame man healing and power in the name of Jesus. But catch this. He couldn't have given that to the man if he didn't have it first in his own life. Peter had faith that in Jesus' name, this man would be healed. But the man didn't ask to be healed. He asked for money. And Peter gave him something so much more than he even knew was possible to ask. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Uh, I imagine anyone who entered the temple courts, like jumping and praising God, like they're going to draw attention to themselves. But it wasn't long before the people recognized this man as the crippled beggar who sat at the beautiful gate, and they knew something miraculous had happened. David Guzik said, many people want to be able to say, rise up and walk, without having received the power of Jesus to transform their own life. I want you to ask yourself, have I experienced what the crippled man experienced in my own heart? Have I experienced the supernatural life that the Holy Spirit can give? This is what the text is speaking to us today. The only thing that's keeping many of us from experiencing the power of God is simply asking for it. I want to look at this passage from two perspectives. First, the crippled man, and then Peter and John. First, the crippled man who begged at the gate. This might seem kind of obvious, but here's what's significant about this guy. He asked. Some of us are tired of asking. It is exhausting asking for this same thing over and over and over again. But imagine if this guy got tired of asking. What if he sat there and he just got tired of asking for money and he just decided to sit there? I don't think people would stop. I don't think they would have given things to him. If I'm being honest, there have been seasons in my life where I don't want to ask because that ask feels too vulnerable. If I ask and I don't get it, that disappointment feels hard. So it's honestly easier not to ask than to ask and to be let down. But God wants us to ask. Scriptures are dripping with commands to ask God. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. 
Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The only thing that's keeping many of us from experiencing the power of God is simply asking for it. Here's the thing about asking God for something. Sometimes he doesn't give you what you ask for. Sometimes he gives you what you need. And that's what happens with this man. There's something about asking that invites Jesus into our circumstances and gives him permission to move and act on our behalf. What are you afraid to ask for? Chances are, it's the very thing you need to ask. The second perspective I want to look at is that of Peter and John. Peter and John didn't have any money or earthly possessions to offer the lame man, which actually gave them full permission to like walk right past him. They didn't have anything to give him. But instead, they stopped and they looked him straight in the eyes. I don't know about you. We've talked about this. I can't tell you the number of times I have sat in my car with my windows rolled up, averting my eyes, hoping not to make eye contact with a homeless person or a beggar on the street. Like, especially if I don't have anything to give them. It feels so tricky. But Peter and John, they did have something to give. They didn't have what the crippled man asked for, but they had what he needed. Many people want to be able to say, rise up and walk without having received the power of Jesus to transform their own life. Peter and John knew the power of Jesus and they had it so they could give it. The question is, like, do we have it? What would happen, church, if we actually started showing up in our homes, in our workplace, our neighborhoods, and our communities, and simply gave what we had to the people who needed it? I'm not talking about money, but if you have that, you could give that too. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are willing to freely give our time, our talents, our attention, our eye contact, our gifts to others, we enter into an abundance of mindset and we're able to leave behind that scarcity mentality that keeps us stuck. Acts tells us how the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live in a kingdom of God that is of an entirely different order. My daughter Kinley is five. She's our oldest. And if you ask her what her favorite color is, sometimes she says pink, sometimes it's pink and purple, but usually it's like rainbow unicorn sparkle. Um, a few weeks ago, I, we were leaving for the lake and I needed to pack the van she was just in everything. And so I was like, here, sit, watch a movie. So she chose this barmaid, like Barbie mermaid movie. I don't know. Turned it on so I could go pack the van. I got the van packed, paused. I said, let's get in the car. And as I was buckling her into her car seat, she looked at me and she goes, oh, mom, I wish I had powers. And listen, we don't do a lot of things, right, in our house, parenting-wise, but, like, she threw me this softball, right? And I'm like, okay, all right. I was like, you do have power, Kinley. She kind of looks at me. I'm like, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you. It's yours. 
No, Mom, I wish I had real powers, like the mermaids in the movie. What world do we live in where the power of mermaids and unicorns seem more real or feasible than the power of the Holy Spirit? I want to raise my children in a home and in a church where we've seen and experienced the power of God so that it's no longer a question. Look, I know that all of us come from very different traditions, denominations, and backgrounds of church. It's actually one of my very favorite parts about Table Church. We're kind of like a spiritual melting pot, and it's really beautiful. So what we're talking about today like about the Holy Spirit, <laughs> whether you've experienced a religion where this is too like, ooh, ooh, that's too weird, <laughs> or maybe you were like so enmeshed in the powers and the signs and the wonders, or maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Welcome. <laughs> when I look at Jesus and his ministry, and I look at his disciples and the Great Commission and what he has called them to do, accessing the Holy Spirit and healing in Jesus' name, it's non-negotiable. In fact, it is right in line with what he's called us to do. Acts tells us how the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live in a kingdom that's of an entirely different order, one where the Holy Spirit's power is legitimate and real, far more than unicorns and mermaids. When I was 20, I worked at a summer camp in Kent's Hill, Maine for the summer. It was called Camp All-Star. I didn't really have an idea of what to expect. I just knew I was going to spend the summer in Maine, which sounded pretty cool. I got there, and I realized that I was kind of an anomaly, specifically when it comes to, like, my faith. The campers and the counselors had, like, a really strong Jewish tradition, um, and some of them were not connected to faith at all. I played soccer in college, and so while I was a camp counselor and doing all of that stuff, I also had to find time to train and lift and do workouts and other exercises. And one week I was doing a, this training regimen, and I tweaked something in my hip. And my hip, flex, like, my hip flexor was flared, and it was painful. So I had to stop training altogether. So I'm still doing my normal camp duties, but I am like struggling to walk. And I was getting a little nervous because I'm like, man, I've got like a month before I go back, before our season starts. <sighs> a week passed and finally I'm like, I, okay, something's got to change because this is so uncomfortable. At the time, I read the passage in James 5.14 that said, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. I had no one. No one there was a believer. Like, like uh, I just felt completely alone. There were certainly no elders, and essential oils had not hit the mainstream yet. So I was like, what am I going to do? But one night, I was alone in my dorm room, and I was like, laid my hand on my hip. I was like, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you heal my hip? And you know what happened? Nothing. 
I was like, all right, I'll give that a try. Cool. <laughs> I went to sleep. And the next morning I woke up and I got out of bed and I started walking to go to the bathroom. And I was like, what? So I start like jogging in place. I'm like, rotating. I'm like, no. I'm like hitting it, like trying to re-injure. Because I'm like, no, this is not, what? I was like, what? I, how? I couldn't deny it. I had asked and I had prayed for healing. It didn't happen right away, but the next morning I woke up. If you've ever had like a hip injury or a hip, like, is not something that just like goes from feeling really bad to really good overnight. Something miraculous had happened. And I was like, oh, I was excited. I wanted to tell everybody. I was like, okay, walked out of there. I'm feeling so good. Not really like pagan sports camp breakfast conversation. Like healed myself in the name of Jesus last night. <laughs> Pass the orange juice. Like, no, like that was like out of the question. Sometimes I wonder what was special about like that moment? Like, could I recreate it? Could it be there? Like, why was I healed at that time? I don't think there was anything special about it. I just asked. Now, it doesn't always work like this. In fact, I've been laying hands on my husband's back and praying in the name of Jesus for healing for months that it would feel better. Nothing miraculous has happened. But I can give you a dozen other stories where I have seen the Holy Spirit show up, heal, and move. And maybe you could too. I ask for lots of things and they don't happen. I don't know why. But I do know that we're called to ask. And when I mean that we're called to ask, I don't mean half-heartedly like mumble your request to God. In fact, preparing for this sermon, <laughs> I realized that there are things that I have thought. I'm like, well, yeah, I want that. Like, isn't that enough? And so as I was preparing and really looking at this, I was like, I've asked for lots of things. And there was a sobering reality when I sat down with some paper and a pen and I started just like actually asking. I was like, I haven't asked for that at all. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Present your requests to God. Imagine the fact that we as believers get to enter the throne room of God. We don't want to like half-heartedly toss a request at his feet. No, we would like present it with boldness. Through prayer and petition, we wouldn't just present it once, we would present it over and over and over again. But the promise in this scripture isn't that your request will be answered. The promise is that the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, would guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's why we ask.
so that we can have the peace of God in our hearts and our minds. So what do you need to ask for? Maybe you don't have what Peter and John had and you need to ask for it. Maybe you've got what Peter and John have, but you're afraid to share it. And you need to ask to give you a passion for him so that you can give it away. Maybe you've got an ask that you asked for so long and nothing happened, so you stopped. And you're too fragile to ask again. In a minute, we're going to have a prayer team is going to come forward and be up front. And listen, I know that there are so many times that we ask and it's like, I can't ask that. I can't, I can't ask that. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you don't feel like you're worthy of the ask or whatever it is. But here's the beautiful thing about a church is that when our prayer team's up here, if you don't think that you can ask for the very thing that you actually want, then you ask somebody else to ask for you, okay? Until you are at that point where you can just show up and keep asking. Jesus, thank you that you are a good father. And we know that you said that as a parent wants to give good things to our children, so you, God, want to give good things to us. There are a lot of unasked asks in this room. And Jesus, I pray your Holy Spirit would come and fill this room, fill our hearts with a spirit of boldness, with a spirit of humility and with a spirit of love that God, we have permission to ask. God, that you want us to ask because you want to be invited into that space. Whether it gets answered or not, God, you want to give your peace. You want to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And you want to walk in that hurt, in that hope, in that question. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there are hurts or ailments in this room, that they would have the humility to come and to be prayed for. God, if there's an ask that they can't even mumble, that one of our members of our prayer team can boldly stand and intercede with them on their behalf to ask the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords who loves us, who knows us, and who wants to be in it with us. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.